Would you like to turn the coronavirus into the greatest gift of your life? Well, I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. Remember when we were kids and we believed that anything was possible? We were going to be the first man or woman to do something really big. But then something happened and stopped us from living the life of greatness we know we were meant for. Things are good, but there's a burning fire inside that says, there's more. There's so much more, and we have to find it. Welcome to the Heal the Hurt podcast, where we will focus on actionable takeaways that ignite real change. Takeaways that give us the skills, tools, and knowledge so we can understand not just why things aren't working, but more importantly, how to change them. That's the power of self-mastery, the power of personal dependence, the power of being a leader in our own personal development. That's the power that comes from Heal the Hurt. To start with, let's go over the seven tips and make sure you stay tuned till the end because I'm going to give you a bonus one. But the first tip is make a list of all your dreams and goals, things you always wanted to do as a child around your relationship, your career, your hobbies, all of it. I'll go into more detail on this in a minute. Number two, make a list of everything you have absolutely no control over right now, all the things related to the virus and any aspect of your life. Tip number three, make a list of all of the things you can control. Tip number four, come up with all the solutions you can possibly think of to overcoming the virus and all these different changes in the world. The next tip is call five people that are close to you. Ask them, bring up these problems. Ask them what solutions can they come up with? What ideas do they have to solve all of this? This tip number six is go become an expert. See, as you discover all these different things and possibilities, it's probably going to take some new learning. Go become an expert in all these different topics and new ideas and new solutions you come up with. And finally, the last tip is this. What's the smallest step you can take today to move you in that direction? Okay, so those are the seven tips. Now, let's get into the depth and why those seven tips. Why do they matter? Well, the first reason to do the, the, the seven steps is we're literally at a groundbreaking moment in history. In a sense, we've all gone back to childhood. For most of us, our careers have been taken from us. Relationships, complete upheaval. Um, our whole lives have been flipped upside down. Well, we're all in, in really a huge state of powerlessness, just like childhood. I mean, everything was dictated to us as a child, right? Parents controlled what we did or didn't do. And, and that's really where we all are now. Well, especially for those who've been affected the most by this career-wise and things like that. What a gift. You get all this free time now to sit and rework your life. What were your dreams? 
What did you always want to do and become? Do you see the opportunity sitting in front of you? That career, that passion, that hobby, that perfect relationship, now you get to pursue it. So think through all the careers you've ever wanted, you ever dreamed about. That's that's what goes in that first, you know, what's your dream career-wise, relationship-wise. Are you single? Get incredibly detailed. Is he six foot two, five foot four? Is, is, does she have dark hair, blonde hair, blue eyes, dark eyes? What are their hobbies? What do they believe spiritually? What do they believe um, um, politically? Detail out the perfect partner. Now, if you're in a relationship, what in the relationship is suffering? What things have you put on the back burner because you were both too busy? with careers and kids and all this other stuff, but now you have the time to go deal with and face. What would you like changed in your relationship? Make a detailed list on that. Now we get to hobbies. Same thing. What things have you always wanted to pursue, but never had the time, right? Well, now we have plenty of time to do that. So map out the dream future that you've always wanted because all of us, almost all of us, have so much more free time we basically get the reset button. We can start all over and become whatever we want. Now, what's paralyzing most people, what's the the biggest struggle um, with people calling me, setting up appointments and everything is the sense of a lack of control, complete powerlessness. Everything is being decided for them. So that's step number two. Make a list of everything you can't control right now. Like get it out. And, and so part of the process for this is to spend 10, maybe at most 15 minutes every day sitting in, ruminating on how powerless all of this is, how you just don't have control over anything. It's okay to feel all that. The avoidance of feeling that is what hurts most people. Now, I also put the time limit on it because the biggest destructive virus to me in all of this is most people are stuck in the problem. They're online searching. Oh my God, another person died. Oh my God, it's exploding. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we're all dying. They get caught in this loop of what's called learned helplessness and powerlessness. And so they ruminate on how powerless they are. And the more we do that, science shows you'll become sick. You'll make yourself sick. Even if you have the coronavirus in you, you like, because they, they've already said millions of people have it no symptoms. Will you keep ruminating on it? You're going to get sick. We become that. And so that's why limiting it, limiting the focus on what you can't control is incredible. It might be the single most important step because we become what we think and feel, primarily what we feel, not what we think. Because as I've said in many shows, everyone has this wrong. Our feelings drive us. Our feelings drive our thoughts. It's not the other way around. And so if you're feeling that powerlessness and out of control all day, every day, and you keep living in it by researching it over and over, the chances of you getting sick or, or coming out of this in a terrible place go through the roof. So limit how much time you spend ruminating on how powerless you feel. Obviously, address it, acknowledge it, but don't live in it. And that's why... The next step, make a list of everything you can control. There's so much you have power over. One, you can sit and dream about 
the career you've always wanted, how you can turn this so-called terrible situation into the greatest gift of your life. You have control over that. You have control how, over how you spend your day. Do you sit in front of the TV, watching all the death and destruction and ruminating on it, or numbing out through food or Netflix or pot or drugs or booze? Or do you put a plan in place? Do you take control of your life? Do you go for walks? Do you go for a run? Do you sit and lay out a plan on how you're going to turn this into your greatest gift? What in this can you control? That empowers us and that moves us to the next step. Become an expert. Go become an expert. So as you lay out all these dreams and the life you want and how you're going to turn this whole situation into the greatest gift of your life, now we're so fortunate. We have access to the internet. Go become an expert. Watch TED Talks. Watch YouTube. Google all the different experts in this field. What books can you read? What audibles can you listen to? What classes can you take? If it's a relationship issue, I mean, work with a coach, a counselor. That can all be done remotely. Read books on it. Research it. Watch videos on it. You and your partner, watch this stuff. Make it a daily habit to work on these things that in the past you didn't have the time to deal with. Same thing with that dream career. How can you start setting up a marketing plan? How can you st start setting up, you know, how you're going to develop all of this? Because what gets so many people stuck is that sense of powerlessness and inadequacy. And, and that inadequacy is born out of feeling, I, I don't have the information, the skills, tools, and knowledge to do this. That's one of the biggest crippling effects for me. I mean, I'll tell you a story um, from my own life. I can't, well, I was saying for a long time, I can't stand marketing, can't stand it, you know, and I've had to learn how to do a lot of that with this business because frankly, most people buy things or hire people because of marketing. Well, I'm like, I don't want to market. I just want to coach. I just want to speak and write, you know, like this is what I want to do. And I've had to learn about this stuff and just loathing it. Well, I finally had to sit and think about it. If you watch my other shows, you know that fear is always one of three things. It's the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy. In other words, I don't think I have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something, or the fear of powerlessness. Well, what happens with marketing? I feel inadequate. I don't know how to do it. Well, inadequacy is, is a huge trigger for me because growing up, the message I pretty much got sent was I was stupid. So I hate feeling stupid. So I, as I sat and processed it, I went, wait a minute. Whenever, remember, whenever we judge, blame, and criticize something, it's actually we're telling ourselves something about ourselves that we haven't overcome yet. We're in denial about. We don't want to face the truth of how imperfect we are. And so I had to look at that as like, why do I hate marketing? Ah, what's it make me feel? Stupid, inadequate, fear of inadequacy. So basically, it brought up the childhood feelings of uh, the messages that I got from my father that I was stupid. It's not that I hate marketing. It's that I hate feeling stupid because I don't have the skills, tools, and knowledge to do it. And so that's what's happening to a lot of people. It, you know, you may be listening and going, oh, this, sounds also, this all sounds so great, but that fear of inadequacy is coming up. And from your own childhood messages of, oh, I don't want to be stupid. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And so we collapse and we go right back into feeling powerlessness and focus on what we can't control. We stay stuck. 
And so what I've learned once I got into reality of, oh my God, I'm afraid to admit this imperfection in myself. Once I got that truth and started pursuing learning about marketing, I realized there's a lot of fun stuff to it. You know, make these videos and edit it. There's a creativity to it that I enjoy. Now, is it something I enjoy as much as, you know, writing and speaking and doing all those other things? Of course not. But it's not, it's not the horrible thing I thought it was. Because, and that's what happens with us. We don't realize that those moments from childhood are what's stopping us from making this the greatest opportunity of our lives. And so, as you think of these tips and stuff, if that inadequacy, if feelings of resistance come up, it's all childhood stuff. It is for all of us. Okay? All right. So, once you have a list of um, what you can and can't control, then move into the list of all the possible solutions you can come up with. Okay? Like, what are the different ways you can figure all of this out. All right. And once you have that list of possible solutions, then the tip, the next tip was remember, call five people. Because what I've discovered is while we have, you know, we're all very resourceful, our greatest friends are very capable too. So say there was a new career and you're like, God, how can I start this? What can I do with this? Call your friends and go, look, this is the problem I want to solve. This is the career I want, the relationship I want. How would you go at this? So call five different people, get their input, get that inspiration of, oh my God, I didn't think of that. I'll give you a story to show how that works. Um, there's somebody who follows me, um, uh, you know, watches my videos and read my book and all that kind of stuff. And we got into a conversation and she's a political operative. And so with all of this, they've shut down all the campaigns. Now, she basically went through this list. What can I control? What can I control? She then applied for a government job, got the job, but then government shut down. So they're like, look, we're not hiring anyone. Well, she's also an actress. She had two roles. Well, they, they canceled the films. So here was someone who kept looking for the solution over and over and over and over and kept running into problems. And so as we talked, she was telling me she was stuck in the problem. She was in that place of powerlessness of I'm completely out of control. There's nothing I can do. And I started at the top of the list. I said, okay, well, let's look at that. I said, what's your dream? What have you always wanted to do? She's like, God, well, I'd love to act. I'm like, really? That's a passion of yours? She says, oh, I love it. And that instantly gave me an idea. And I wait. I said, what other passions? She says, well, I love to write. Well, what do you like to write? She's like, oh, psychology. Love psychology stuff. And I'm like, thriller type? And she's like, oh, no, personal development. And I said, did you hear how you just came up with two solutions, two new careers you can start? And on the other end, just dead blank. And I said, what did you say you like? Acting. You said you like to write and about psychology. I said, look at this situation. Everybody is in front of their TVs, their computers, social media. If there is not a better time to create your own show where you'd get massive exposure, create a YouTube channel and everything, this is the time. Like you're set up perfectly for it and you have the skill and talent to do it. Like it's already there. And she just lit up. She's like, oh my God, you're right. You're exactly right. And see, that's the value of calling other people. 
See, she's very gifted in solutions and everything, but had hit a roadblock. Well, a simple conversation with me when you learn how to ask the questions, boom. So I said, here's the challenge to you. By the end of today, I want you to send me a video. I want you to do a little test pilot about whatever matters to you. And so she did. And so now she's on her way to creating her own little show of things that matter to her. Who knows where it will take her? But she has no other option. Why not start a YouTube channel? Why not start posting on Facebook and everything? Create your own dream career as an actress that isn't relying on a studio. Like you may find that people just love what you want to talk about, how you act, whatever it is. Like you could create several different shows. You just spending your day at home. Maybe you're hysterical and people want to watch you. I don't know. Maybe it's the deep personal development stuff. The point is, is the world's your oyster. You can do anything you want right now. And so that night she sent me a little video. It was wonderful. So that's how all of this works and spurs us into the next thing. All right. So then the next step is to go become an expert. Again, this is what hits that fear of inadequacy. So we come up with these ideas and then we go, oh, I don't know how to do this. Like the lady, you know, she's like, got a little nervous of I've never done a video for that. So what did she feel? Inadequate. I don't know if I have the skills, tools, and knowledge to do this, right? So what's deeper underneath that? Childhood stuff of where she got sent a message. She didn't have the skills, tools, and knowledge. And so look at what else she's overcoming. It's a growth spurt in her life, just like it was for me. And so, you know, get, like I said earlier, get on YouTube, get on Facebook or um, um, uh, TED Talks, read books. Now's your time to spend, an, you know, we, have, we have nothing but free time. Go study whatever it is, whatever dream it is you've always wanted to pursue. You can do that. And that's, what do they say? I mean, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. Well, we have, I'm here in Arizona. We have until April 30th, a whole month. Like, think of all you could learn and how quickly you could get things turned around because there's nothing to distract you. You can completely focus and do 12 months of learning in one month. Like, that's... The opportunity is unprecedented of where we all are, whether that's you want to pursue a career or advance or think of this. If you've been in a struggling relationship and now you're stuck with each other for a month, my God, can you do some serious recovery on your relationship? You can really dig in. Is there trauma from your past? You're single and that trauma is keeping you from opening up. Like I'm starting to get calls from people who, you know, because of the loneliness and emptiness, they're starting to realize I don't have my outside interest to medicate with because most people medicate their pain away with their job and, and working out and all their different hobbies and things. Well, all that has been taken away and all that loneliness and pain that they've been pushing away and avoiding with all the chaos of their life, they don't have anymore. And so I'm starting to get an influx of clients who are going, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm going crazy. What's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong. It's just they've ignored and minimized and stuffed and repressed all that pain, you know, that all that busyness allowed them to avoid. Well, now they get to go become an expert in it, you know? So it's a wonderful opportunity to overcome all these obstacles in our life. 
it's the greatest. I mean, to me, this whole situation is just a profound gift for all of us. Profound gift of opportunity for us to completely reshape our lives. Okay. All right. Well, before I move on to the next one, I, I want to give you a perfect example of what that expertise looks like. There was another woman who reached out to me because we had had a conversation um, about her child. And um, she's a new mother, child's one or two years old. And uh, we got talking about how she, you know, how great this is because she gets to spend time with her son and, and how when she goes to work, she just feels panicked and miserable. And I started explaining to her what enmeshment is. It's not in like I N it's E N enmeshment. And that that's actually an incredibly dysfunctional feeling for a parent to have, to feel that emptiness. Like you see this when kids go away to college and mothers or fathers just freak out. That's severe codependence. It's, it's okay to miss our kids and, and, and want to be around them. But that level of depression and um, anxiety and fear and sense of loss and loneliness when our kids venture away from us, that's a sign of huge dysfunction, uh, codependence and enmeshment. And we talked about it on the phone. And, and here's an example of how to become an expert. I got a text message from her yesterday. In only three or four days, the text message started off and she goes, you know, I want to thank you because of our conversation. I went and did a lot of studying on enmeshment. She goes, I realized I'm harming my son horrifically. She goes, he can't, now that he's in preschool, he cries all day and screams for mom. Um, and she goes, I realized that even now, the only friends I have in my life are my parents and that I destroyed my marriage because on our wedding night, um, I was so afraid he'd cheat on me, I started a fight. I basically ended the marriage. And now that I understand what enmeshment is like, um, I still, when I go to my parents' house, I take naps with them. This is a grown woman. And she goes, my son even sleeps with me. And I didn't realize how dysfunctional that was and how abusive that was. And, and she goes, I can't have a relationship with people. The only people I have a relationship with are my parents. I don't have friends. I have acquaintances, but they're not deep friends. I won't let anyone get close to me. And I have huge issues with rage. And that's what enmeshment does. Like you're seeing all these, uh, the millennials, you know, the safe zones and all of that stuff, trigger words. That's the result of enmeshed parenting. These kids were so suffocated emotionally because this is what you want to think about with enmeshment is the umbilical cord goes in the reverse direction. Like the umbilical cord is meant to feed the child, but in an enmeshed environment, the emotion of the child, the parent sucks it out of the child. They actually use the child to fill themselves emotionally. So when a parent's like, oh my God, I can't live without my kid. I love my kid so much. What that actually is, is severe dysfunction of the parent doesn't know to have how to have adult healthy relationships. And so they siphon all the emotional um, love and energy out of a child. And that creates tremendous rage. And so that's why you're seeing these millennials they have absolutely no coping skills because they've been emotionally abused so heavily. That's a massive abandonment of a child. And that's why they have the rage. That's why this woman had rage. They, because it's a complete um, severing of trust. Because while parents think they're loving on the child, they're not. They're stealing love from the child. And the child feels tremendous abandonment and tremendous anger 
because no one was there for them. So a parent who needs their child is um, in desperate need of help. And I have to say this, in all the years I've done this, I've never seen this. Denial is the greatest killer on this planet. And, and most parents don't want to, you know, I'm sure a lot of parents have already clicked out of this. They don't want to hear this. Um, and, and so they'll avoid seeing that truth because then we feel inadequate. Remember, I've talked earlier about how inadequacy from our own childhood, we don't want to face it. But this woman in three days came back and totally owned everything, had already had a discussion with her mother. And her mother was like, oh my God, I didn't realize this. I'm so sorry. Tell him, meaning me, thank you. Like I've never seen that. For that level of ownership to recognize their imperfections and do something about it. And so she's like, I'm, you know, she goes, that's it. I'm, I'm changing everything. I'm going to start learning how to have friends. Um, I want to work with you so you can teach me how to heal from all of this. That's how you become an expert. Now, when it comes to personal development, that's a rare thing, but that's what I'm encouraging you to do throughout this process, throughout this COVID situation, go become an expert because this woman just literally changed the world. She saved her son's, her son's life emotionally. She's going to repair a relationship with her family. And so what that means is this woman's going to have an enriched emotional, spiritual, relational, professional life. And that will permeate everyone she touches the rest of her life and her son. That's a ripple effect that's going to create massive change in the world. And so you want to tell me this COVID situation is a problem? We would have never had that conversation. It's a gift. She literally changed the trajectory of her whole family because of COVID. You have that same opportunity to do in every area of your life. Go become an expert. Face the fear of inadequacy. Face the fear of denial, you know, admitting that you're in denial and that you have imperfections. Go face all of them. And that's how you turn it into a gift. Okay? All right. So now that we have that, the next step in this process, step seven, is what's the smallest step you can take today? See, when we're caught in that inadequacy and feeling out of control, we tend to just pull back and do nothing. So now that you have all of this, you can also feel overwhelmed of, oh my God, there's so much to do. Break it down. What's the smallest step I can take today? Like when I did this years ago, coming out of my suicide stuff, and, and you know, this is how I turned my life around was this whole process. And it, those, those lists were huge. I looked at all the list of all the things I wanted to pursue and become and everything. And I said, and I went, what's the smallest thing on here? The single most important thing and the smallest thing I need to do on a daily basis. And you know what I came up with? I have to sleep less. That was one of the things I put down. What are the things I can control? Sleep less. Because, because of my depression and, and all the struggles in my life, I would medicate with sleep. And I realized, you know, if I started sleeping less, I could get so much done. Well, here's how it works. Just by thinking that, I didn't set alarms or anything. Within about four weeks, all of a sudden, I started waking up after about five to seven hours of sleep, fully rested. Where used to, I used to have to sleep 10 hours a day. Every once in a while, I needed eight hours of sleep or I'll take a nap here and there. Every few days, I start to get run down. And so I'll take a nap during the day or something. But by me sleeping less, like the amount of stuff I've 
I've accomplished in such a short time, it's astronomical. I've gained basically half a day. You know, I'm up at four or five o'clock in the morning by the world starts, the time the world starts, I've done like a full day's worth of work. And now I have the rest of the day. And so that's what you'll find. What's the smallest thing? And so just by sleeping less, I got a book out, like I got all this stuff accomplished. And you're going to find there's something simple like that for you. All right. So those are the seven tips, but I want to give you a bonus tip. There are going to be people in your life who won't use this, who are going to stay stuck as the victim and stay out of control. And they're going to focus on, you know, oh my God, everyone's dying. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So you're going to have to learn how to say no. And so I want you to empathize when those friends and you reach out, you know, same thing, 10 minutes, let them talk about the problem for 10 minutes. Hear them, be there for them, support them, be kind and loving. But after that 10 minutes, move on. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Now, can we move on to a different topic? If they don't want to, then you have to end the conversation. Don't get sucked into it. You have to learn to say no. Because if this whole process continues, and because most of the planet is severely emotionally immature, more people are going to start suffering emotionally. And if they're not willing to do the work, if they're not willing to go through this process and become an expert, you're not helping them by sitting on the phone for hours and days, listening to them lament of how powerless they are. We aren't powerless. We have choices. We can choose to take these steps. And if they choose not to, sitting in front of that is actually abusive to them. You're enabling it. Instead of in a kind, loving way, say, I hear you're hurting. I know it's a struggle, but let me share with you what what I'm doing. And if they choose not to do it, then you say, look, if it's ever become something you want to pursue, I'd love to have a conversation with you. But I'm not going to, I'm not, for me personally, focusing on what I can't control and living in that amount of fear is keeping me from the life I want. And I can't be around that. So I love you. I love talking to you, but I can't lament the problem anymore. Uh, You know, I'm willing to do it for 10 minutes every time we talk, but that's it. Say No, that's how you change the world. That's how you stop this incessant fear that's starting to really take over a lot of people. That's how you turn it around. That's how you live in the greatest day of your life. Okay. All right. I'm going to wrap it up there. Remember, you have seven tips, seven solutions. Make the choice to turn this into the greatest day, the greatest period, the greatest time of your life. Have a great day.